this 2023-2024 NBA Southwest Division betting preview and win totals edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a lead pipe locking for parlaying player props. Go to parlayplay.io and use promo code SGP for a 100% deposit bonus today. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday, August the 7th, currently 12.09 on the East Coast. Here to dig into our Southwest Division betting preview for the 2023-2024 NBA season. And we're a smidge early, but you know how, how we like to do it here on the NBA pod. We like to get ahead of the numbers and try to get our listeners the best numbers so we covered uh, the three divisions in the Eastern Conference over the course of the last two weeks. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to those, highly recommend going back uh, to listen to those. We got some best bets, did some roster breakdowns and um, all that fun stuff. And now we're headed over to the Western Conference. Like I mentioned, we'll do the Southwest uh, Division today. But I'm joined by my co-hosts here on the NBA pods. I got my guy here, Lante Smith, with me. Lante, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Not bad, man. Looking forward to breaking down this division. It's uh, pretty intriguing from top to bottom. I think it's going to be an improved division, and I know we'll get into that in a, in a little while. But, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, a lot of intriguing storylines uh, in this division from uh, for sure, like you talked about from top to bottom, stuff that happened off the court, on the court stuff, roster turnover. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to get into in this Southwest division. Also joining us here, you guys know him as the voice of the tennis pod in NFL, MLB, NBA, and WNBA. It's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, brother? Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, looking forward to going through another division in the NBA. Should be fun. I know that football season is officially upon us because preseason, you know, is right around the corner. But mm-hmm. NBA still matters, so we're going to talk about that for now. Yeah, NBA matters to us for sure. Uh, so, you know, like I mentioned, we'll, we try to get ahead of the lines before some of these lines do move. Um, I was looking at the odds uh, and the win totals and all that good stuff for this division. And I feel like we were maybe a week or two early because they finally posted uh, play in tournament odds or teams to participate in the play in tournaments um, for the upcoming season. So that's something that we can also discuss uh, as we go along, for, at least for the Western Conference. But yeah, Southwest uh, Division today, like I mentioned, uh, the four, sorry, the five teams in this division, the San Antonio Spurs, the Dallas Maverick, uh, Mavericks, Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, and the New Orleans Pelicans. And like Lante alluded to earlier, I mean, a lot of interesting storylines um, that are happening in this division. So we'll kick it off with the first team in this division. We'll kind of go top from bottom like we usually do. That's going to be the San Antonio Spurs for this upcoming season. They have a win total right now of 29 and a half. Um, Their division odds are currently sitting at 55 and a half for them to make the playoffs is at, uh, let's see here. What did I write down? Um, Plus 1100 minus 2,500 to miss the playoffs. And then for them to be a play in tournament team for this upcoming season, seven to one. Obviously, they get the number one overall pick uh, in the last year's draft. 
by no surprise, they do pick up Victor Winbinyama. Um, and also Greg Popovich, Coach Pop, signs a contract extension for whatever reason. And Alano, we talked about it during the regular season last year that we thought that the days were numbered for Coach Pop or that maybe he would consider retirement. But lo and behold, he signs a contract extension. Um, and now it's Victor Winbinyama, the face of the franchise for the San Antonio Spurs. So last season, this team uh, ended up with a record of, and let me pull up the standings from last year. Let's see here. Um, 22 and 60. The two Texas teams by far were one of the, or two of the worst teams in the Western Conference. It's funny that they ended up with the exact same home record and away record last season were those two teams. But, uh, Lante, why don't you leave us off with the San Antonio Spurs, man? Obviously not a great year last year. Dealt with a lot of injuries to their roster, but we knew this team was going to be pretty much in tank mode because we knew that they weren't going to be very good this year. And they were going to be in the sweepstakes for the uh, uh, number one overall pick for Victor Winbinyama. Lo and behold, they land the number one overall pick in the draft lottery. And... um, now it's it's Winbinyama Town in the in San Antonio, but uh, talk to me about the Spurs here, Lante. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, the big talking point is uh, Winbinyama, and I think he'll be fine. I, I don't think I don't read too much into the summer league. I mean, he had been playing for like I think like nine, ten months straight uh, at a time. So you know, of course, he's going to have some uh, growing pains, and um, I, I like the rest of their roster as far as the win total. I'm pretty neutral on. I think it's probably about where it's supposed to be. Um, they did add uh, Reggie Bullock in campaign, look veteran presence. Uh, Reggie plays better in the second half of the season, 38% from three. Um, campaign, 10 points per game, five assists. Uh, he, shoot th- he shot 37% from three. So they're going to have a lot of floor spacers. I think they got like north of five guys that shoot 35% or higher from three, including those two guys. Um, I think the real – issue is how well that those young wings develop Branham um I guess Vassell is kind of a guard but him he he performed well this year Branham and Wesley are two guys that I'm really looking at to you know be take the next step uh, I would say to average you know you know 12 to 15 um Wesley in 37 games he shot 39 percent from three uh, Branham was kind of up and down I think he he shot like 30 percent from three which is not good but um he got the experience of being able to play in some in some NBA games and play against NBA players. So I think that's pretty valuable here. I mean, they were dead last in pretty much everything last year, offensive rating, defensive rating, um, three-point defense. Team shot almost 40% from three against them. So I think that'll be improved, of course, with, with Victor in the middle, and he'll be able to, you know, protect the rim a lot better, uh, which gives those guards able to uh, – gives them the ability to be able to push up a lot more and play aggressive defense. Um, so defensively, I think they'll be fine. Offensively, I think they'll be improved also. So I'm looking at an improved team. I mean, but the win total, like the West is just so tough. It's just going to be hard for them to, you know, take a significant jump up into the ratings. So if I had to lean away, I would lean slightly over. But overall, I'm interested in seeing this team play. I think they got a lot of talent on the team. Yeah, I mean, kind of take a look at their roster up and down. Um, they added Devontae Graham. Um, and like, like you mentioned, they do have a lot of shooters on this roster coming into this year. The surround of or surround of Victor Winbinyama, uh, Kelvin Johnson had a pretty decent year last year uh, for the Spurs. I know Devin Vassell was in and out of the lineup last year for the Spurs as well. Uh, so a lot of young uh, talent on this roster. And it's, again, going to be about developing this talent. 
I know Greg Popovich is, we can maybe say that, one of the best coaches of all time or definitely top five for sure in the NBA. Um, but is he the right guy to develop this young talent? I'm I'm not I'm not convinced on that part. But Scott, what are your thoughts on the Spurs for this upcoming season? So even though they were pretty much tanking for the last couple of months, they're still 122. So I think I'm going to lean over. A question we do have to ask is, is the win total screwed if Wembenyama only plays like 40 games? If you assume he gets injured, are, are they screwed? Maybe. Are they going to tank again if he gets hurt? I don't know. There's always That's always something to consider. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to lean over, though. I'm really not that sold on the rest of this division. I, yeah. I think that you can make an argument that some of these teams, maybe if you're high on the Rockets, maybe they'll be the team that wins mid-30s, but I'm lower on the Rockets than I'm, most people probably are. But I think I'm going to link to the over on San Antonio. I just feel like 29 halves too low. I saw some potential growth from the younger guys when they were playing a bunch of these meaningless games at the end of the year. And I do think that adding Wembenyama helps. I do have to question, though, how immediately he's going to dominate or mm-hmm. if he's going to dominate at all in the first year or two because maybe there's going to be some growing pains involved. But I think yeah. defensively they're going to be a lot better because Wembenyama, worst-case scenario, is an immediate elite rim protector, kind of like what we've seen from Holmgren in a way where they're both undersized. They're going In terms of weight, they're going to give up a lot of – potential mismatches against Embiid and some other elite centers, but the rim protection, you can't really deny. So I do think that San Antonio's paint defense should be better because at least they get some rim protection. Wembenyama can also space the floor, and I do think that you're looking at the Spurs being a very interesting team with a decent amount of young talent. And I do think that when you're looking at this overall roster, besides Wembenyama, they do have a couple of intriguing pieces who are younger. I'm not sure if they're going to immediately you know, become – leap-worthy candidates to make serious, I'd say, threats at an all-star game or anything like that. But, I mean, if you want just some examples of that, Vassell, by the way, only played 38 games last year. Some of it was some borderline tanking, so we'll see what happens. But Sohan got hurt. Vassell got hurt. Keldon missed about 19 games. Yeah, I think all three of those players are solid young players. And Sohan and Wemby is a disgusting defensive combination. That's a really, really good duo there that can really make life difficult for other teams offensively. I'm going to lean over. I think it's going to be close. I'm not picking the Spurs to make the playoffs. Can I see 32 wins? Sure. I'll I'll give them low 30s. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, they only had, what, maybe four players that – or five players that actually did play 60-plus games, but – it wasn't their, a lot of their key guys. I mean, you mentioned Devin Vassell missed uh, more than half of the season. Um, I thought, uh, excuse me, Trey Jones was one of their plays and surprises last year. I think that yeah. he's really going to develop into being a great point guard uh, for this team. Um, they they but, traded away Pirtle, who was one of their better players midway through the year. Like, they didn't have any centers. I feel like Wimbanyama is going to help with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm surprised, Scott, you didn't mention your MVP last year when you were talking about player props uh, on this roster. Oh, Branham? No. <laughs> Uh, why? Uh, Branham did well for me in the last couple of Yeah, I thought you were going to uh, mention uh, Sandra uh, Mamashumishkavili. Oh, Mamashumishkavili, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, for, he only cashed the double-double for me once, but, I mean, the points were there at the end of the year. So, yeah. he sh- I mean, I didn't mention him because he's probably never going to play again. But still, I, yeah. I just wanted to uh, thank you for bringing that up because that guy <laughs> was my Moses Brown, so to speak. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we all catch a lot of uh, props with uh, Malachi Brownham last year. And, and again, uh, I really do like this roster. Again, you know, we talk about obviously adding Victor Winminyama, the uh, the um, veteran presence that they also added as well. And you always need shooters around, you know, high-end talent like Victor because he's just going to command so much attention, um, at least, you know, early on. And, and we'll see how, number one, how Coach Pop works through some of these rotations and who's going to be on the floor with Victor Winbinyam and, and, and things like that. So I think that might just open up the floor for guys like Heldon Johnson, uh, even and Devin Massell and, and um, Jeremy Sohan as well. So... I I'm agree with you guys. I do like the over here as well. I think the number that popped into my head was what Scott mentioned in that 32 to 34 range. Um, barring some significant injuries, again, that's always a concern for any team in any sport. But the talent is definitely there for this team to definitely get over this projection of 29 and a half. Uh, anything else to add for the Spurs here, guys? I think even without Victor, they can still be competitive. Just the roster. If I they, mean, they try can sh- to be. Yeah, I mean, they can sh- they can shoot the ball. Well, I guess it depends on the mindset of, you know, the team in the front office. But That was, that like, was my point, because last year before they fully pulled the plug, they weren't that bad. They weren't good. But then right. it felt like they just lost every game for about two straight months because they literally right. stopped trying. Right. And then, I mean, they got, like they got shooters. Like, literally, they got uh, – a bevy of shooters like so i mean defensively without victor it's obviously going to be harder collins actually stayed healthier than he has probably since Mm -hmm. he was at gonzaga um yeah i mean i I like dominic barlow he performed pretty well in the summer league i think he'll be fine for them like backing up victor uh so yeah i mean i think they'll be fine i mean they were second in pace so they're gonna run and gun uh a lot of upside there. I mean, I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be, at least be competitive, but the win total is probably right where I would put it. Yeah, and I think that obviously they got their guy, right? Like they got yeah, the yeah. prized, you know, the prospect that everybody wanted. <clears throat> That's going to change the face of their franchise. So, I mean, there's no reason really for them to tank unless it's, they're just so bad uh, offensively or even defensively. But um, uh, now it's just the time for them to go out and be relevant again for the San Antonio Spurs team. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see what transpires for them uh, for this upcoming season. But again, all of us at least leaning towards the over for the San Antonio Spurs. All right, guys, before we get over to the Houston Rockets, let me tell everyone about the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon page. Sign up for the Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 first place prize. Besides season-long contests, they also have weekly contests just for patrons plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes stories from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling to do your part and sign up today. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. All right, guys, the next team in this division is going to be another Texas team that, eh, to expectations, is not supposed to have another great season. But the Rockets do come in with a win total of the 31 and a half. I think that's a, I want to say, seven-game improvement from last year uh, for this Rockets team. Um, their division, I think. Nine. Was it 22 and a half last year? Oh, oh, I think it was 20. Was it 22 or 23 and a half? One of, one of those numbers. I uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I do remember like 22 and a half, 23 and a half. So maybe the closing number was 23 and a half for this team. But uh, nonetheless, 
This season, the Rockets come in with a win total of 31 and a half division odds of 40 to one for them to make the playoffs right now is at plus 600 for them to miss the playoffs minus 900 and for them to be a play in tournament team currently sits at four to one. Um, obviously, the big news for the Houston Rockets, a new head coach by the name of Ime Udoka comes over to take over for Steven Silas. And they draft the number four overall pick in Amen Thompson. Um, and a lot of roster turnover for this uh, Rockets team as well. I think there's still some decisions to be made for this Rockets team. And I'm speaking like uh, or speaking uh, on that because I am a Rockets fan down here in Houston. Um the offseason, I know we when we did our free agency recap show that I know a lot of people questioned on why they signed Dylan Brooks to a huge contract and also Fred Van Vliet to a huge contract as well. But again, they had about $60 million to spend in the offseason. Um, also signed veteran Jeff Green. He makes his return to the Rockets. I know he was there during the Harden and the, I believe, the CP3 and Westbrook era. Um, Jock Lindell to beef up the front court for this Rockets um, uh, center position. Uh, Cam Whitmore, the number 20 overall pick as well for the Houston Rockets. And also, like I mentioned, Amen Thompson, the number one, four overall pick uh, for the Houston Rockets to add to this roster that already had guys by the name of Jalen Green, uh, Alpern and Shangoon, Kevin Porter Jr., um, Tari Eason. So again, a lot of talent on this roster for this uh, Rockets team. And again, a huge um, a huge job right now for Ime Udoka to kind of figure out, number one, what's going to be the identity of this team. Because, and I can speak to this over the last two seasons, there really wasn't an uh, identity for this Rockets team, especially on the offensive end, right? He didn't know who to run the offense through, whether it was going to be Jalen Green or whether that was going to be Shane Goon. And I think that Ime Udoka will find that identity for this Rockets team, but Scott, let me start with you for the Houston Rockets, currently sitting at 31.5 for their win total. The way that I see it, one of these two teams has to go over, either the Spurs or the Rockets, in my opinion. And for me, I'm going with San Antonio. This number is too high for Houston. I, I feel like the argument is Udoka has definitely gotten some respect after bringing the Celtics to the finals and after seeing what happened afterwards when he left because I think we all know that the Celtics looked a lot worse in terms of coaching. But after Udoka left, having said that, watching Udoka late in games, I didn't think he was a great coach either late in games. And people kind of forgot about it because of how bad they were this past season. But I think Udoka is going to try to instill a much more accountable, I'd say, which might be extremely ironic because of what happened off the court. But I think he's going to mm -hmm. hold his players more accountable on the court. The problem with that is I don't think the personnel is actually going to be held accountable I'm not sure if anybody's ever told Jalen Green to play defense in his entire life. And the same thing can be said about Kevin Porter Jr. It's one thing to say it's good to get some discipline. It's good to, you know, try to instill those values in young players. Doesn't mean they're going to listen. In fact, I would be shocked if Kevin Porter actually did listen when he when his coach yelled at him because we know Kevin Porter kind of has a short fuse and he might ditch a game at halftime, which we've seen before too. But I think I'm going to go for this one with the under – I really didn't like their offseason. I'm not a Van Vliet guy. He's roughly a 40% shooter in his career, so I don't think he's going to help much, not to mention the fact that Jalen and Kevin Porter all want to shoot, and we know there's one basketball. 
Dylan Brooks, I don't think it's a terrible fit because he's going to try to guard somebody and he's going to be that type of, you know, physical defender who's going to take some pressure off. But it doesn't change the fact that Dylan Brooks is still also a chucker and he's not a very efficient shooter either. I just don't see a very good offensive team. I think that you're looking at a couple of intriguing young players like Eason and Shangun. I think Shangun and Udoka are going to hate each other because Shangun doesn't play any defense. So I don't see Shangun having a great year under Udoka. I hope I'm wrong because I like him as a player, but mm-hmm. I'm going to lean under. I just don't like the overall moves they made offensively. I still don't think they're going to be very good because they have a lot of inefficient shooters on the court, and there's only one basketball. So I'm on the under for Houston. I think it's a lot more likely this team falls apart than overachieves. So give me the Rockets to probably win. To be honest, I got them at like 25. I really don't think they're going to be that close. And you could talk about tanking potentially if the team performs poorly. I think they're a last-place team. So I think they're probably going to end up punting some games late in the year. But I'm low on Houston. I'm on the under. I think for me, like when I'm looking at this roster, is that it's difficult to figure out like – how the offense is going to work because you have a guy that you're paying about close to $41 million in Fred Van Vliet. Obviously he's going to be a starter, but he's going to be more of a facilitator for this team that you're paying $41 million to Jalen green. We've seen, especially in the second half of years in his first two seasons, really we've seen the, the upside for Jalen green. Like he can go out and be a 25 to 27 points per night type of player. Can he play Uh, off ball though? Yeah, and that's again that, and that's the question, right? Like, and that, and being down here in Houston, like, like the theme for me, like, and some of the other fans that I've talked to, it's like the theme is coming in, like, it's let's see, like, let's see what you know, Udoka does, let's see what transpires after last two seasons, after the post Harden era. That Stephen Silas, I think, was put in a very difficult situation because I've mentioned this multiple times that he thought he coming into this Rockets team when he was initially hired that. He thought he was going to coach James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and those type of guys. And then immediately, fat suit James Harden comes out. He gets traded. Russell Westbrook uh, falls in suit. And now he's, you know, dealt his cards of having all these young talent uh, on this team. But, I mean, look, there's just, there's, look, I haven't mentioned Jabari Smith's name. Amen Thompson in those, you know, Lonto will expend on this. He looked pretty good to me, Amen Thompson, in those first couple games that he did play. Um, So I think that's just going to take away from like you having to play Fred Van Vliet so many minutes because you're paying him $41 million that you're not going to be able to let some of these guys get run and showcase what they're going to be able to do. Guys like Amen Thompson. I thought Jabari Smith had a really good um, uh, off season and also summer league games. There's two games where he put a back-to-back 30 plus point games. So have Cam Whitmore. He was a bright spot for the Rockets in the summer league as well. So it's like, do you play these veteran guys or do you want to put your young talent out there, let them develop and see what you got? Because the Rockets were kind of in this, in this, in this mindset, or they were in the struggle that because you had so much money to spend in cap space that you had to use it somewhere. They unfortunately used it on Fred Van Lee and Dylan Brooks. I think Dylan Brooks is going to be okay because he will bring that defensive identity. Like Scott mentioned, uh, because again, this Rockets team the past two seasons has been absolutely atrocious on the defense side of the basketball. So. I don't think he's good, but at least he tries on defense. He can exactly. maybe encourage effort on that end of the floor. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that'll be, you know, what uh, Dylan Brooks does. Hopefully he doesn't chuck up threes because I will pull my hair out. But, <laughs> uh, Lante, talk to me about this Rockets roster, man, because you've really been on top of all these young, talented guys coming out of the college ranks and uh, in the G League as well. Yeah, so I got a lot of questions about Houston. Mostly, you just hit on all of it. Like, they have... I don't think they have a true identity. I don't know what they're going to be. I mean, it's a, the biggest question is, I mean, can Jalen Green be your your number one? I don't know if he can. Um, I know he can't defensively. That backcourt defensively is probably going to get torched with him, Van Vliet. Um, if you go to the three-guard lineup with Christopher, if you want to get more versatile as far as So scoring. very undersized regular. Right. Yeah, they're going to get cooked in the Western Conference. Like, you got to think about the front courts in the western conference like the like as far as just guards but like the front courts or the back courts because the front court defense might not be good either so well, no, the, the back court i'm sorry the back court yeah. defense yeah i mean the back court guards they, you're gonna have to go against like some juggernaut guards uh big physical guards and i mean i'm high on a man thompson but again you're paying fred van vliet all this money jalen green's gonna play um i mean where where does he get his minutes i think it's like i think this roster is like 10 deep with guys who can probably play but yeah. you got to figure out who's gonna do what who's gonna you know mesh with who i mean jabari he looked like he took the next step but again you got dylan brooks and i don't know if he's going to be in front or starting beside him i don't know how that's going to work and i mean let's not forget i mean uh in boston they weren't like ascending until after that all-star break when something clicked with Ime. they were kind of you know somewhat of a disappointment at the start of that season and then it clicked so i think they'll be fine going forward once they find the identity but until then i'm not sure if they can get to this win total i mean you mentioned van vliet i mean 39 and 34 percent shooting splits um he will cut down on those turnovers if he if he's able to handle the ball they were 30th in turnover percentage on offense so he will get that down uh he doesn't turn the ball over a ton uh, 7.2 assists per game I like Dylan Brooks. I think he's fun. Uh, and just defense, what he brings defensively, that's a kind of a mentality you want to feed your younger players. Now, if they are going to buy into that is, is another thing. But again, I think, you know, a man should be on the court more yeah. than Fred, to be honest. I mean, I know they paid him, but like upside wise, like he can, he can dribble. He's a big guard. He can defend better. We like in the small sample size that we saw, you know, when he was playing, I thought he did a good job. He can rebound. I mean, that's kind he, of the it, problem. I, I don't think they're going to play him. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't know how much he plays. Like, that's the thing. And then you got Whitmore, who is pretty much the same player as Josh Christopher. I mean, they're both go-getters. They're not going to pass the ball a lot. They're not going to be. I think Whitmore's going to play a lot more than Christopher, in my opinion. But well, Christopher, they Thompson, traded. Not Christopher. I mean, um, uh, KPJ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm talking about Campbell, KPJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah I, I think that, once again, you're probably going to see KPJ potentially move to a bench role, but – Knowing right. his tendency to have some outbursts, I think there's going to be some turmoil between Porter Jr. and also maybe even Jalen Green. Once again, Udoka is a no-nonsense coach. All yeah. Jalen Green has been given is nonsense because they let him do whatever he wanted for the first right. couple of years of his career. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of growing pains here. And you mentioned that there's a lot of players on the roster who want to play, and they all want to shoot. Like I think there's going to be some serious problems early on before Houston eventually trades maybe half the team. Like I think that at this point they have so much young talent that they don't have enough room for all of them. They're right. going to have to try to package a couple of them for maybe a guy down the road. But for this core, I think Udoka is going to be way too harsh, and he's going to shatter some egos early on, rightfully so. But I think the young players aren't ready to handle that yet. So I'm going to go with the under. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And another thing, I mean, you got Jock Landale too. He's they just signed him for a decent amount. So I mean, they were first in rim rate as far as getting to the rim, but last in finishing. So is it, does anybody on the roster like going to improve that? I don't think so. I mean, they were thirtieth in three point percentage. So it's just it's just a lot of questions that I don't think they have answers to right away. Now, can they be competitive? I think so. I think they can be competitive, but it's going to come later in the season, much like he had in his tenure in Boston. I kind of, you mentioned Kevin Porter to the six man role. I kind of like his six man of the year odds at 25 to one. I mean, he was 19 points per game, uh, six assists, five rebounds, shot 37% from three. Now the volume is obviously going to go down, but again, he's going to be playing with the second unit. So he'll have more opportunities uh, from what I'm thinking. He'll have more opportunities to be able to get his shots up. He's going to get his shots up regardless. It's just how efficient is he going to be? Uh, so I think he's a good bet at thirty at twenty five to one for that six man of the year. But overall, I'm going on the under for uh, for Houston. Yeah, I mean I'm on the under here as well. I think this team is probably in the range of twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine wins. Twenty seven. I was even lower because I said twenty five. Yeah. But true. Um, and again, I just don't even know what who's going to be in that starting lineup. I mean, if you put a gun to my head right now, I think it's Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jalen Jabari, and well, Doug is taking the veterans. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. And, again, I agree with Scott that some at some point we may just have to trade some of these guys that are either in the starting lineup or in the are on the coming off of the bench because I think I think KPJ is probably going to be that odd man out. Um, and who knows? I mean, there's already rumbles that maybe you even want to trade out Jalen Green if he doesn't develop properly uh, for this Rockets team. But, again, I think, feel like there's a lot more questions and answers right now for this Rockets team. Do you All right, think guys. The Spurs finish yeah. with a better record. <sighs> yeah, I think about, about the same. I think the yeah, I think the Spurs may. I was just wondering if so. we agree that Houston's a last place team. I could. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think Houston will be better than than San Antonio. I just I don't know. Maybe like 25, 20, in between twenty five to twenty eight wins for both. I think okay. it's in the realms. I mean, it's not far off. So. All right, guys, before we get over to the next team in this division, let me tell you guys about the newest sponsor on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. That's going to be Parlay Play. We're brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a great way to get down on your favorite parlayed player props. Football season is right around the corner, and Parlay Play will have all your favorite props. Parlay Play is available in a ton of states, including uh, California and Texas. Plus, our good friends up north, Parlay Play is available in a bunch of provinces in Canada. And when you sign up with our code, you'll get a sweet bonus to get started. Head over to parlayplay.io and use promo code SGP for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's parlayplay.io, promo code SGP. All right, guys, let's get over to the next team in this division. That is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. They come in with a uh, win total for the next season of 43 and a half. Their division's odds currently sit at plus 255 uh, for them to make the playoffs minus 150 to miss plus 120 and for them to be a play in tournament team at plus 150, sorry, 140. Um, Last season, this team uh, ended up as the number 10th seed with a 42 and 40 record. They were a play in tournament team. And obviously the last season, the big thing was with Zion Williamson, right? He missed pretty much 
more than half of the season last year. I'm trying to pull the exact numbers here uh, on how many games he did miss last year. So Zion last year only played in 29 games, but he was, I mean, he looked really good in those 29 games, right? He, he finished with averaging 26 points per game at seven rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.1 steals uh, for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Again, there were a lot of rumors of him possibly coming back towards the end of the season to help make that playoff push or at least become a team within that one to six range. Uh, but that just didn't transpire. All the offseason stuff that we heard about uh, with Zion, again, we don't need to get into the details, all of it, but it almost seems like that it may just come to a point for this Pelicans team on where they have to make a decision that, hey, Zion, are you all in for this Pelicans team or are we going to have to explore a trade for you uh, and ship you off and and you know get some uh, assets back to build around guys like Brandon Ingram for this team. And you take a look at some of the offseason moves that were made for this Pelicans team. Uh, we know they lost Jackson Hayes uh, to the uh, L.A. Lakers. Willie Hernan Gomez, also uh, currently a free agent. Josh Richardson leaves in free agency for the Miami Heat, and Garrett Temple uh, was waived by the Pelicans. The draft, they added uh, Jordan Hawkins out of UConn with a number 14 overall pick, and they added some type of depth in the front court with Cody Zeller. They were able to re-sign Herb Jones to a qualifying uh, offer and also a two-way contract with Ohio State um, player from a couple seasons ago, EJ Liddell. Um, Lante, lead us off here with the New Orleans Pelicans. 43.5 is the current win total for this team. Do you think they can put it together, or is it just too many distractions, especially with what's going on with Zion right now? Yeah, so Zion aside, I think this number, I would go over this number if he if he wasn't on the team, as just as currently constructed. I just think they're talented enough to, to get over this number. Um, they finished off a little bit stronger. The thing is, I mean, obviously is with the help especially with Brandon Ingram, like he has to stay healthy. Um, Jordan Hawkins, I mean, like him as a player, don't like to fit here. I think he would have fit better somewhere else because, again, you're at your log jam at that forward position. You're going to play behind Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy, who had an incredible year. Um, Herb Jones is going to be in there for defense purposes. So, again, how many minutes is going to be allocated to him? Uh, I know he's probably going to get on the court, but, again, I thought they could have used a point guard. They don't have a traditional point guard, which I think would make their lives a whole lot easier like say for instance if they had a, a chris paul um or you know uh tyus jones trey jones just somebody who can set the table for some of these guys cj mccullum nice combo guard but again getting up there in age i don't think he's the best option at point guard for the team i think he's better fitted as um you know two guard on the wing so that's where i have problems with and i mean if you insert zion if he plays uh, I guess 25 to 30 games, which is notoriously what he's played in the last what, three years. I got him at 114 games played in three years. So that's like right that's around less than 40 a year. Yeah, that's like 46% of games. Like, so, I mean, if you just account for that, I mean, I guess he plays what, 30, 32, 33 games. So his first three years, um, Rookie year, he played 24 games. Last season, 29. His, his highlighted year was at 2021, 2020, right. 2021 season where he did play 61 games. Okay, but yeah. that might so, just so, be now. Yeah, that, that's bumping the average up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, when he's out there, of course, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, 26, 7, and 4 in his career, 61% from the field. I mean, he changes the dynamic of everything. But, again, 
you're counting on him to just be there and be consistent. And all the, you know, of course, in the offseason, everybody's bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, everybody's doing the right thing. Uh, I heard Larry Nance on a podcast with Ryan Vasillo was saying that, you know, they were frustrated that he wasn't able to be on the court, but it wasn't necessarily because of him specifically. It was just that they were ravaged with injuries um, per se. Now, whether he's sugarcoating that, obviously it's his teammate. He's not going to talk bad about him. But, I mean, he spoke highly of him as far as being around the team and, and such and things like that. But I'm basing this off just Zion playing like 20 to 25 games. I'm not really accounting for him being there consistently. And I think the team has a chance to go over. I think they'll make a move for a point guard later in the season. Um, I mean, they were – defensively is, is, their, is their main issue at the rim. I mean, Jonas is is decent offensively. but I mean, they were 30th in rim percentage allowed. So teams were able to get at the rim and score at will. Um, they did defend the three-wheel first and three-point percentage defense, um, six in defensive rating on the year. So defensively, I think they're fine. It's just that the health of Brandon Ingram and getting a point guard in there is my main issue. But again, still loaded with talent. I'll still go over. Uh, and I'm basing this off like little to no Zion at all. So I'm pretty strong with the over here. Scott? I'm going to go with the over as well. Uh, it feels like with all the turmoil this team dealt with and how Zion got injured and everything like that, they still won 42 games. It felt like they were a lot worse when you think about all the drama that unfolded during the, either the offseason or during the actual season regarding Zion. They're still a solid team. The only real question mark that I have besides the obvious injury concerns is how good of a coach Willie Green actually is. I think he's okay. Like I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he's that bad, but... I do think when you're looking at this team, and once again, I think San Antonio is going to win somewhere in the low 30s. I think Houston's going to be a bottom feeder. There are some wins to be had. And I do think with New Orleans, assuming that either Zion or Ingram stay healthy for at least 50, 60 games. I know it's a big if. Zion's done it once. If one of those two stay healthy for 60 games, this team's going to win probably closer to like 45. It's going to be close. I really do like their overall roster, though. I'm a big Murphy guy. I always have been, and he's turned into a really solid player. Grand Theft Alvarado is pretty good, too. But I think when you're looking at this overall core, they had a lot of injuries last year, and they still managed to win 42. Yes, if Zion gets hurt, then you have a potential crisis on your hands. But they've been there before. And even with Zion getting hurt last year, playing 20 games and change, they still had a winning record. They still made the play-in. This team, in my opinion, would be buying at the deadline because they're in too deep already. So I don't really see them blowing it up. So I think that's going to definitely be a good reason why you should like the over because they're more likely to go for it in the second half than roll over. But I'm going to lean over. It's going to be close, though, but I could see them winning 45. Yeah, I know yeah. this. Uh, before you go, Mudoff, right, uh, yeah. Ingram, 45 games last year. So, I mean, that's not really. That's like, if he gets 50-60, like, they're going yeah, over. Yeah, if, if, if he gets to 52, 53 um, I think he'll be fine. And it was reported that CJ was playing a little banged up also. So, I mean, I think Ingram is the catalyst there. I, even even without Zion Scott, you touched on it. I think they're just more equipped to be able to handle, you know, playing without him. So it's not like it's going to be the first time. So, um, yeah, that's another reason why I like the over. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys pointed out, I mean, they had a lot of, at least to their main players or their main scorers or top guys, um, the top end talent, right? Zion, 29 games, Brandon Ingram, 45 uh, but other than that, relatively, uh, the other teams were healthy, but or the other players, I'm sorry, were healthy. Uh, CJ McCollum, like you just mentioned, Lante, that he was 
playing hurt, whether it was a wrist injury or or whatever the case might even shoulder injury for his TJ McCollum. But he yeah, played Alvarado in, and Jones, though, each missed 16 plus yeah. games. Alvarado was a pretty solid bench player for them. And J- Jones, is their best defensive player. Yeah. So they had other injuries, but yeah. still. So, yeah, injury luck obviously wasn't on the side of the Pelicans last year. So even if you're able to get another 10 games out of both Sion and Brandon Ingram, that would definitely push them over this number of um, what 43 and a half for this upcoming uh, season. And I know we were high on the Pelicans two seasons ago. And again, I think that you guys know this. So I'm not going to regurgitate everything, but the talent is definitely on this team. If their top end talent is able to stay healthy and play 50 to 55 games for the upcoming season, this team could definitely get over this number of 43 and a half. Uh, all right, guys, let's get over to the next team in this division, and that is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Currently, they are tied for um, – or not tied, I should say. have the same win total as the Dallas Mavericks at 45 and a half. Uh, the Grizzlies are the second favorite in this division. It's very, very slightly. You can almost say uh, co-favorites with the Mavericks. Grizzlies plus 160 for the division for them to make the playoffs minus 250. Uh, two to one to miss the playoffs and then t- for them to be a play in tournament team is at plus 140. Um, obviously, the big news for this Grizzlies team is the suspension of John Morant for 25 games. Um, they will be without their best player for that span. Also, Did the Grizzlies win that suspension because I thought it was going to be like 40 or 50. Like I thought I 25 thought so was too. actually pretty light. I thought that it'll be at least for half of the season at minimum. That was like in my head. I think they. Uh, I think the twenty-five games is basically so it, he can't make any NBA teams with the new rules, right? He can't make any NBA first, second, or third teams. I don't think. Yeah, because oh, you so have to play sixty-five, right? Yeah, because you got to play sixty-five. So he yeah, so he, he, he wouldn't be able. To, yeah, he wouldn't be able to play. So I mean, I think it's smart right. by. I think it's smart by Silver. Obviously, you, you don't want to damage the product too much, but again, you still want to put proper punishment on it. So uh, yeah, I think it was smart by him because I mean, he won't be he won't be able for any incentives as far as season long. Um, things so I, I mean I think they won but again I hit jaw loss obviously I mean I, f- I forgot to factor that in that once again he's not going to qualify for any of the NBA teams yep. because of the new stipulation but yep. I'm also going to throw it out there that with job missing 25 games I'm not saying he's going to be healthy the rest of the season anyway but he usually misses 20 something games a season so Memphis yeah. might be accustomed to playing without him but there's a, another huge loss that you're about to mention Trey Jones heads over to – sorry, Titus Jones, I'm sorry, heads over to the Washington Wizards um, as part of a trade that um, – I don't remember what that trade was for. Was it was, – was it, it wasn't a three-team deal, was it? For, it, wasn't, it was. It was a three-team Yeah, I think it was. That, that, was, that, was, that, was, that, Brad, that was the Beal trade, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the Beal trade. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, so he they got heads over, Smart. Yeah, so they head over to – so Titus Jones heads over to the Washington Wizards – in comes Marcus Smart to kind of take the place of John Rand while he's out and also Tyus Jones, uh, him being uh, traded uh, to the uh, Washington Wizards. They also signed a uh, Derek Rose to maybe add some depth. I'm not sure if he's going to get a lot of playing time. Talked about Josh Christopher with the Rockets. He got traded from Houston to Memphis here. So some guard depth while John Moran is out uh, for this team. And also, like Scott mentioned, that he hasn't been um, healthy uh, for the 
uh, Grizzlies throughout his career. So last season, he played in 61 games, started 51, uh, 59 of those. Prior to that, 57 games, 63, and then 67 in his rookie year. Well, it was uh, 61, looking, but he took a leave, right, for like a week or two? Yeah, I think they had him go to like the, the rehab down in Florida. Yeah. Um, uh, as part of what was kind of transpiring with him uh, off the off the court, take a look at this roster, guys. Um, obviously, they signed Desmond Bain to the huge contract in the off season. Uh, I'm trying to pull up their exact roster here. Give me a second. All right, so Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, uh, Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams missed a, a big chunk of the uh, a big final deal. yeah final couple of months there. For the Memphis Grizzlies, and there's some young talent as well as well on this team. Obviously, didn't even mention Triple J, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. for this team. Forty three and a half right now, Scott. What are you thinking about this Memphis team? Because there's a lot of moving parts to this team with a John Moran injury and integrating new players um, like Marcus Smart, Derrick Rose, if he does get any playing. But mostly, it's going to be Marcus Smart that's going to be that starting point guard for this team. Yeah, we also did not mention that Dylan Brooks is no longer there for better. Yeah, or Dylan Brooks. Yeah. So Marcus Smart's going to basically take his role as the defensive stopper. The problem is I think Marcus Smart's reputation of being a great defender is more based on the past than the present. Let's put it that way. I don't think Smart's been a great defensive player for a couple of years at this point, but you know he's kind of been coasting off the defensive player of the year reputation that he arguably didn't deserve, but it's a separate story. I'm going to go with the under on this one. I have too many question marks about the overall uh, core of this team without Jaw for 20-plus games, mainly because, at least in the past, I knew that they could get by it because Tyus Jones was a really good backup point guard who can provide stability for the offense when Jaw was out. Without him, I don't really know what their plan is. Are you making Marcus Smart your point guard? Because we know how that's going to go. It's not going to go well. So... I don't think they really have a great option to deal with the first 25 games where Ja is not there. And if you want to talk about what else they can potentially do, I have questions about the offense because we know that, for example, Desmond Bain's a solid number two option, maybe number three option for a title team, but still, we know he's solid. Jaron Jackson has apparently made some serious strides this offseason, and I believe he was basically voted the most valuable player for the Team USA scrimmages that have been going on for the last couple of weeks. They're very high on Jaron Jackson. Apparently, he's been very good uh, during those scrimmages. But still, he has injury issues in his own right every year, so that's going to be a question mark. I don't want to say that Tyus Jones is going to swing their win total by, like, 15, but with Jaws' suspension combined with Tyus not being there, that's a massive problem because he was such a very big stabilizer for this team when Ja got injured at some point during the season. I think losing Dylan Brooks is fine, but I don't think Marcus Smart's very good. I've been anti-Marcus Smart for a long time, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he holds the record for most games played as a Celtic without winning a title. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think that he's a championship-level player. So I'm going to go with the under. I think this team's going to underachieve. They won 51 last year, and I do think Mm -hmm. Ja, in addition to missing all those games to start the year will probably get hurt at some point because of the reckless style of play that he ends up playing with. We love him for it, but you just can't stay healthy playing like that. So I'm going to go with the under. I see too many question marks here. I think this team is going to end up in the playoffs. I think they'll probably be a six or a seven, but I really just think that with Ja being out and with Tyus not 
being there anymore to save the offense when he's gone from a point guard perspective and me really not liking Marcus Smart as a point guard. I think all three of those join together for the under. I'm going to go with the under. It's a good reason why they dropped this win total by six. I think it's warranted. I'm going to go with a 43-win season. Even yeah, even last year they won 51 games, but it's pretty much that the rest of the division was absolutely shit, right? I mean, we talked about the Rockets. It was real. Even Dallas, like the whole division was bad. Yeah, like Dallas as well. And then we talked about the injuries that the Pelicans had last year. And I mean, I know this team, also Memphis team, was um, they had an injury bug as well, but I think they had enough depth at the right time for them to propel them to win 51 games. And I think I love the point that you made, Scott, that. If they still had Titus Jones on this team, like you know what offense that Taylor Jenkins is trying to run, that he, he already knows that what it's like to play without John Moran. But now you're bringing a guy like Marcus Smart. We all agree, or we all agree, is definitely a downgrade from Titus Jones for this specific team. At least offensively, people would still yeah. argue that Marcus Smart's sure. a great defensive player. Yeah. I disagree, but he's a he's still an above average defensive player. Yeah. Uh, and then your top two scores last year, John Moran, obviously 26.2 points, Desmond Bain, 21 and a half points. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, did play 63 games last year uh, at 18.6. And again, he was in the running uh, for defensive player of the year. I believe he did win it last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Scott. I do like the under for this Memphis Grizzlies team. Again, we talk about this whole division as a whole, but again, a lot of moving parts for this Memphis Grizzlies roster as well. So uh, I'm on the under for this Memphis Grizzlies team here. Lante, what are your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies? You have a number in mind? I said like 43. Are you in the same? I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I think they'll be below this number. Their number was what, 45 and a half, I said? Yeah. Uh... Do you think they missed yeah. the playoffs? Because I, I don't right think now, it's no, it's no way. It's no way they missed the playoffs. I don't think they I'm just missed asking. the playoffs. Just saying. I think they could definitely be a play in tournament team. Um that's plus 140. Yeah, 40. Yeah, I think you hit the number on the head. 43 makes a lot of sense. Like in that range of 43 and 40, 39, something. 42 like that. to 44. I think yeah. that's where this team uh would probably end up here, Lante. Yeah, so I was gonna go under also, but I mean just don't be contrarian join (laughs) us just just like (laughs) just like simple math like think about like in the last two years at home they've lost a total of 17 games so i mean their home court advantage is probably one of the better ones in the nba i mean so it's like i can pencil them in for like between 30 and 35 home games i guess so you telling me they gotta go what uh they gotta get what 16 on the road it's about 15 and 26 on the road I mean, I think that's fair. And I mean, even if you want to downgrade it a little bit because of job, maybe, you know, 27, 28 games. I mean, they still, yeah. they, they perform really well without him. I mean, lifetime without job at 37 and 24. And they were 11 and 10 last year. And this was without, you know, Steven Adams. This was without um, Brandon Clark. Uh, it was also with Dylan Brooks. So, again, I mean, it's just a lot of variables here. I think I'm going to lean over, to be honest with you. I think the Marcus Smart, Tyus Jones, is pretty much a wash. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think Marcus Smart will be fine there. The biggest problem that I have with the team is something they that they haven't had in a while, and that's they don't have any wings. Like, they don't have any good wings at all. If you look at some of their uh, recent – like, even in the playoffs, you can see LeBron kills them. Yeah. Um, uh, like, during the regular season, Jimmy Butler, all those – Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like, all these premier guys – they literally can't be stopped. And this was with Dylan Brooks, who was supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, a plus defender. Um, 
And I mean, I think he did a solid job, but again, they just don't have any wings to be able to withstand some of the things that you're going to have to do in the West. Now, guard wise, they'll be fine defensively. Um, but, and of course in the paint with Steven Adams and, uh, triple J in, in the middle, I think those two losses, Scott hit on it with, uh, Triple, not Triple J, with um, Stephen Adams and also uh, Brandon Clark because that allows, with Stephen Adams there, that allows Triple J to kind of roam around and be a roamer. Instead, he was having to guard Anthony Davis. He's getting in foul trouble. He's already prone to being in foul trouble as it is with Stephen Adams on the court. So it's a lot of different variables here. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean over. Um, I just think that that home court advantage is just big, and they have a formula under Jenkins that they play extremely well in the regular season. Now, when they get to the playoffs, it's a different animal. But again, they they're gonna be healthier. Um, Jaws getting 25 games to you know I guess do whatever he's gonna do. I think that's uh, my pushback right. though. Are they gonna be healthy when Jaws automatically missing 25 games? Not to mention his injury history. I don't know if there is a guarantee that they're gonna be healthier. I mean, I just don't. I just don't think maybe all really around, but Jaws the most valuable player on this team. Yeah, I mean, he is, but again, they're just they're used, they're accustomed to performing without him, and I think they are just at home. Like of those twenty five games, I would have to look at how many are at home, but they they won a playoff game against a Lakers team that was rolling without him, and that was on the road. I'm not going to brag about them winning a playoff game when they were favored in the series. They yeah, but I mean, game, they, they lost in five. Like that's yeah, not. Yeah, they a, did, but they won it without him, though. Like that, so that just goes to show that they're capable of performing at a high level. Yeah, they won a game there. Without, they won a game against Golden State the year before when they won the title. Yeah, so, but once I mean, again, that's with Tyus Jones. I, I just think it's a totally different team because. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say. Do you think Marcus Smart's a solid point guard to run your offense? No. I mean, I think he's probably. I mean, he's fine. I don't think he. It's, 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 it's what I'm saying. Like, he's fine. I, I just, I'm just not sold on. What but I mean, we're not going to say Ty Jones, is, Jones from yeah, a We're just not going to say Ty Jones is worth like what seven, eight wins. I mean, he's not worth that. No, I think it comes out to the fact. I, I, like, I think Marcus Smart's acquisition was overrated, in my opinion. I think it comes down to the fact, like, who do you trust more to run this offense? Is it Ty Jones, or was it going, or is it going to be Marcus Smart? Right, and I think that. Oh yes, sir. And that's all Marcus Smart is. I mean, he hasn't been the healthiest either. Like, he has those yeah. knickknack injuries throughout the season. He, and so you know, is Jared Jackson. Yeah. Adams. We'll see if he can stay healthy. But there's Adam's a lot of injury three questions ball. with this team. You saw that? What? what Adam's been? working on his three ball. <laughs> I did see that. He can join Mitchell Robinson in the offseason three-point contest. <laughs> yeah. There should be like a, a big man three-point shooting contest. Bro, at, at they, they, break they, that they should, Simmons they should do that, that or no? Oh, yeah, you got to Ben Simmons. He's got the height well. requirement, but he's technically a guard, so I don't know if right. he'd be allowed in or not. Right. That's that's a good idea. Tell the NBA to cut your check one off. <laughs> Anything else for the Pelicans before we get to the Mavericks, guys? I mean, you mean on the Grizzlies? Grizzlies. Oh, sorry, the Grizzlies. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I was yeah, a little bit tempted over. from hearing the reports during the offseason. I mentioned before about the scrimmages. I thought about maybe Jaron Jackson being most improved, but – once Jock comes back, he's going to hijack all the shot attempts. So I don't know if that's going to be a bet that's worth it. Plus, can you really be most improved if you just won Defensive Player of the Year? Like, they just gave you an award. I don't think they're going to give you an award back-to-back years, including most improved, when you just won an award last year. So I thought about it, but I didn't really see it. That was kind of it. That was the only thought I wanted to mention, because most improves a pretty interesting award. Does nobody knows what the criteria is anymore. There but is the <laughs> reports during the offseason suggest that Jaron Jackson could be poised for a big year offensively. Yeah, and they got 
um, SGA who finished top five in like MVP vote, and they got him one of the favorites to win most improved. So that just goes to show you they have no idea. What Nobody knows anything. Is. When Jaw yeah. won it, the entire award went out the window. <laughs> right. But getting over to the last team in this division, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they currently have, like I mentioned, tied win total with the Memphis Grizzlies at 45 and a half for this Mavericks team. Uh, last season, this team ended up with a record of, let's see here, 38 and 44, eliminated from the playoffs, and it was a big head-scratcher for us. I think it was the last game of the regular season or last week of the regular season where they just decided to bench Luka and Kyrie Irving when they were... There's like two a, games left. Yeah, and they were like right in the midst of being that 10 seed and, and trying to at least get into the play-in tournament, but... Not a playoff team last year. Um, this upcoming season, obviously, they re-signed uh, Kyrie Irving to the huge deal. Um, and some of the roster moves that they did make, they did lose Davis Bertans, Reggie Bullock, like we talked about, um, and some of the guys on the bench. Obviously, also, uh, Christian Wood is still a free agent as well. I really but, like how you threw Bertans out first. Like, that's a massive loss. <laughs> I'm just know? going through the list that I'm looking at as far as uh, off They got his contract off the books. That's what you got to <laughs> yeah. be saying, but yeah. Um, they added Seth Curry. They signed him to a contract. Uh, they added Rashawn Holmes, another undersized big um, for this Dallas Mavericks team. Derek Lively, they drafted number 12 overall in the uh, draft this past season. Also, uh, Prosper as the number 24 overall pick out of Marquette. Hang on a second. Dante Exum is on this team? Hey, I didn't realize he was back in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wasn't he overseas last year? Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he, he was back in. I think he was back in Australia. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't realize he was in the league. He All actually right. was playing well at one point in time. Oh, I heard um, he learned how to shoot threes allegedly. Yeah. but yeah. he's not been in the NBA since two since the 2020-2021 season. But former top five pick. I didn't. I wasn't aware he was in the NBA again. Before he before he got uh before he got hurt, I think he was playing pretty well for the Jazz, right? At the end of that little stint. Yeah, I think he was playing yeah. well. I, I think okay. so, but once again, it's it's been a long time. I'm not saying he's yeah, gonna yeah, have an yeah. impact, but I saw that name and that was a blast from the past. Grant Williams also uh on a sign in trade contract ends up on this uh, Dallas Mavericks roster. And obviously, like I mentioned, they re-signed Kyrie Irving and excuse me, Dwight Powell. Uh, to Grant this Williams, roster, got. yeah, Grant Williams uh, as well, um, and they also added uh, Mike Miles Jr., an undrafted for um, I guess we could say free agent in this past draft. A lot of expectations coming into the season for this Dallas Mavericks team when you have a quote unquote dynamic backcourt with Luca and Kyrie Irving. Obviously, the offensive talent is there for those two players, but defensively. Maybe the worst, uh, I don't know if it's a stretch in NBA history with those two guys uh, as your backcourts defensively at least, but they come in this season with a win total of 45 and a half. Slightly the division, um, the odds-on division um, favorites at plus 155. For them to make the playoffs this upcoming season, they are priced at minus 220. I find it interesting that the, they have three teams in this division that have plus 140 and plus 155 odds to be play-in tournaments teams. Mavericks right now, plus 155 to be a play-in tournament team. Lante, lead us off with this Mavericks team, man. 45 and a half. What are you thinking about this team? Can they be a 50-win team? 
I'm high on the Mavericks, man. I, I like them. I like them a lot. I, I like the additions they made in the offseason. Um, I don't love their pace of play. And I think that it's kind of ironic that Jason Kidd, who was in his prime, one of the best, like, I guess, uh, fast break maestros that, that we've seen, that they're playing slow as I don't know. I mean, I get it. They're playing slow because of Luka. But again, you got to find some kind of pace. I mean, they were 28th in pace, uh, 29th in offensive possession length. So, I think they got to kind of speed up and get that offense going a little bit more, but I'm a buyer. Uh, I'm a buyer in it. Uh, Defensively, I think they'll be somewhat better, Uh, maybe not right away, but with Lively, uh, I guess McGee to a certain degree, I think they'll be decent. Grant Williams on the perimeter, Omax on the perimeter, who's really well uh, switching on different different, uh, players. He can play multiple positions. His offense is what I'm worried about, but Lively, I think, is going to be a big, big addition for them. Uh, now he's not going to do much offensively, but I mean you don't have to. You got two. You got two guys who can score, you know, north of forty points a game um, when they're on. So I'm high on, on Dallas. I got them to win the uh, to win the division. Got their win total over. Got them twelve to one to win the conference. Um, they added Seth Curry. You said also who's a forty one who's a forty one percent three point shooter. Grant Williams forty percent. They can basically space the floor out and put them both like flatten them both out into the corner. Grant Williams is excellent shooting threes in that corner. I, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of the team and what they've doing, what they're doing. Um, they were really good defending the three last year. I think that was underrated on their game seventh in three point defense. Uh, they were getting to the rim at a, at a decent rate, uh, seventh in rim percentage third in uh, free throw rate. But again, they didn't shoot free throws at a high clip. Um, they also fouled a lot, 27th in free throw rate defensively. But overall, I mean, I like the structure of the team. I think they're kind of building out somewhat of what you saw uh, kind of with their team that went to the finals, to the uh, Western Conference finals that year. I think they're a lot more talented. Now, again, you are putting your trust in in Kyrie to not go off, a, you know, go off the edge here. But I think a full off season with him and Luca implementing into that system, I think they'll be fine. So I, I like Dallas Mavericks a lot this season. I think it's really going to come down to for Jason Kidd in this offense that it can't be your turn, my turn thing between Luca and Kyrie Irving. Like there's going to have to be a definitive game plan and offensive game plan for both of those guys to succeed um, and for the team to succeed uh, this upcoming season, right? But because the upside is definitely there for this Mavericks team. Kyrie went on the floor, one of the best handles I've seen in the entire NBA history. I think a lot of people can also agree with that statement. Um, But again, it just comes down for me defensively between Luka and Kyrie Irving that are they going to put in that effort? Haven't really done that throughout their career at all. Um, and again, we talk about front court presence for this team and they really haven't done anything again to address that. And that's my biggest concern as well for this Mavericks team. I mean, Dwight Powell, we've talked a lot about on this podcast has flashes for this Mavericks team, but I don't think that they're still undersized at that front court position, uh, for this Mavericks team, but on paper, the talent is obviously there 100% for this uh, roster. It's just about now. Jason Kidd has a lot of pressure of trying to figure out how he's going to make um, between Luka and Kyrie Irving. Can they coexist for the success of this team? Because, again, there's only one basketball, and both of those guys need the ball to be effective uh, for uh, for themselves to – for their offensive output, I should say. Scott, thoughts on the Mavericks here, 45 and a half. I'm on the under. 
Uh, I think that, once again, this team's not going to be very good. I think they're going to be a borderline playing team. I said borderline because I don't think last year was a fluke. I don't think the core of this team is actually going to be able to win many games because they don't guard anybody. And we talked about it before, and I want to go through some numbers here. I'm going to ask you some trivia questions here. Lucas played five seasons in the NBA. Do you know how many seasons he's played more than 66 games? 0.0 would be my guess. The answer is one. His rookie season, he played 72. He's played less than 67 in each of the last four seasons. Here's another question. Do you know how many? Do you know when the last time Kyrie played north of 68 games in a season? When he was with the Cavs. Yep. That that is correct. It was his yes. final year with the Cavs in 2016-2017. <laughs> so, in addition to all the problems we're mentioning with the roster, the fact that they don't guard anybody, each of these players has not played 70 games in roughly four to five years minimum. So you're assuming both Luka and Kyrie will each miss 15-plus games in the season based on their injury history. Is that a fair assessment? I've, I, I, my pushback would be is that they probably set Luka for some of those games on back-to-backs just to kind of protect him, quote-unquote. But I think He did get injured anyway with all those rested back-to-back. Yeah, and I think was it last year? Was it this past season, the season before where he came in to – "Quote unquote," being in shape, and that hey, <laughs> it was last season. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. To it's go. already he's, circulating this season. He's too. gonna win the MVP this season because he's coming into game shape. So he's already to be fair, his numbers were year. nuts. So to yeah. be fair, his numbers were incredible. I think he averaged like thirty-two, good, eight, and eight. Yeah, still, his numbers were crazy. But still, the point is, in addition to all the issues with the supporting cast, you mentioned how bad the front court was. It's a lot of pressure on Lively uh, because he's going to need to be not just a guy who gives them minutes but a guy who basically becomes a defensive anchor for this team, which could be an issue because foul trouble was a concern at Duke. But I want to read off the actual front court depth for this team. It might be the saddest collection of centers I've seen in the entire league. Dwight Powell, Rashawn Holmes, Derek Lively, JaVale McGee. What are we doing here? Like, what what the hell is this? Like, no, I I can't. I can't do it. I got to go on the under. I do think, once again, when you're looking at the supporting cast, I didn't even mention Tim Hardaway Jr., who also gets hurt all the time. They have a lot of injury-prone players on this team, and defensively, they're not going to be good. Now, I do think they made some nice draft picks, which could help down the road with the likes of OMP and Lively. And I do think Josh Green, who's been around for a year or two, still a very solid 3-and-D yeah. player. But I really don't like what this team is actually built to be i don't think jason kidd's a good coach at all their front court's a mess the injury history of all three guards including tim hardaway jr is a serious problem and i also want to address something because we know Kyrie can also be a loose cannon that's the one way i describe him. you could describe him in a lot of other ways but i'll be i'll use that term to be generous he finally got paid are we sure he's going to be fully focused because he finally got a bag Like, he played 60 games because it was a contract year, and somebody paid him. Are we sure it's not going to be a circus again? I'm not certain about that. He got his money. Anybody who can answer a Kyrie question about his mindset is probably got they got the winning lotto number but i'm saying i'm not sure Kyrie would have been the year he would have been <laughs> right the most that's my point that's because my point. he wanted to get the bread and he got the bread it would not shock me if Kyrie once again caused his own media frenzy in throughout the course of the year i'm on the under there's too many things about this team i don't like if they had a better coach 
Maybe I could be persuaded, but I don't think Kidd's a good coach. So I'm on the under. Yeah, I mean, three years, $120 million contract, fully guaranteed for Kyrie Irving. Um, which I guess we're looking at some of the other contracts that were handed out. Mudson seemed too bad, I guess. It's but, fine, but it enables him once again to do his own thing, to be a massive distraction because they gave yeah. him a serious financial commitment. Yeah. Um, this team is really top heavy, right? Like they're reliant on heavily on two guys. And let's say one of those two guys two does go guys. down. If, if you want yeah, to two and a half. Junior. Okay. Two and a half. Um, and I'm so on the fence. Like I can see this team like being a 50 win team, but I can also see them being like 43 and like 39. And, and the reason why you're on the fence is because team. Memphis won 51 last year because their division sucked. And you yeah. make an argument. This division's not great either. And it seems like, like I think to Lante's point of why he maybe likes the Mavericks is because the other teams have so many other question marks. Like yeah. we know the Spurs are, yeah, I think we agree that they'll get over their win total, but they're not going to win this division. Rockets, uh, again, a lot of questions there. The Pelicans, injury concerns. So it seems like that it's it's set up for the Mavericks to have a successful year, obviously barring injury. And again, like I mentioned, it's like that's the case for any team in any sport, but They've had a lot of injuries to that big, to that core two, two and a half guys in the past. That's yeah. what scares me off yeah. a lot. I'll, I didn't even mention Kleber gets hurt a lot too. Yeah, I'll lean towards the over. Obviously, don't love it. It's not my favorite play in this division, but I think like between the two teams, between the Grizzlies and the Mavericks, who do I trust more? I mean, shockingly, I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks. Um, but again, it just depends on health. I think that Luca. I think like this is a make or break year for the Dallas Mavericks, like either this year or next season, because I mean, we've seen the frustration from Luca that I think at any point he says the right things in the press conference. Hey, I'm so committed to the Dallas Mavericks, but we've seen it year in and year out where they saw these superstar players that if things are not going well, they're going to want out and, and they want to get traded. And again, is it a possibility that we see Jason Kidd fired early? If this team is I think not he's getting well? fired mid season. Yeah, wow, I mean, really? I think I think that's it's a possibility. Uh, yeah. I'm saying that if this team is like, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. With Mark Cuban, and, with that much yeah. money spent getting Kyrie back, I think they're yeah. going to be below 500 or near 500 around the All Star break, and kids going to get fired. Yeah, I would actually I mean, consider taking a bet on kids be the first coach fired this season. Yeah, I'll I'll lean towards the over, but again, not my favorite play in this division. I do think they obviously they do make the playoffs, um, but yeah, again, I do like like Scott mentioned, love the draft picks. Adding Seth Curry as a, a legitimate three-point shooter, I think it's he also gonna, gets hurt a lot. Yeah, he <laughs> I gets mean, it's stuff with yeah, the NBA, yeah, but yeah. I like the draft picks they made. I'm not sure that they're year one contributors. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else for the Mavericks guys before we get into some best bets and wrap up this episode? Nope, that's going to be my best bet, so. I, was gonna say, right. I, I think the last point I'll make is I just think Dallas is the biggest wild card in the entire league. Yeah, I think this team can beat and lose to anybody on any given night. Which is why I think they're going to finish around 500. Similar to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, the, maybe it's, I mean, it's the Cowboys Dallas. tend to do decently against bad teams. They just lose every time against the elite teams. But the Mavericks, game in, game out, if I told you they're playing the Pacers, and the Pacers should, I mean, you're high on the Pacers too, I guess, Delonte, but you get yeah. my point. If I told you they gave up 135 points to the Pistons in a random Wednesday game, you can see it. Like, it wouldn't totally shock me. Like, I think they can lose to any team and they can beat any team because they're so offensively driven. 
Yeah. But Lante with our with the cutter, I mean, it would be the Mavericks dropped 140 in that game as well while giving up. That's why they're the biggest wild card in the league. But yeah, I, with I, I that can, being I, I got to assume that balance is out. That's kind of why I think they're going to finish around 500. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some best bets here before we wrap up the show. Obviously, Lante just mentioned that the Mavericks are going to be his best bet in this division at 45 and a half to go over. Anything else you want to add to that, uh, Lante? No, I was I was sprinkling on him to win the division and a little bit on the conference odds because again, I mean, in a, we've seen Luca do it by pretty much by himself in different circumstances, obviously, but we've seen what level he can he can go to and how effective he can be. And I mean, we've also seen Kyrie. Now, can they coexist? Is that's definitely a big question. But once they get in a playoff setting, I think that just like Scott mentioned, I mean, they could lose, they can get swept, or they can sweep somebody. And I think I can bet on that at, at twelve to one in those conference uh, conference odds. So I like them all three phases: division odds, um, win total over, and the conference. But you know, just go a little bit lighter on the conference, obviously. I was going to say respectfully, I think there's no chance in hell they win the conference, but I'm rooting for you. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Like if they get Scott. matched up on the Lakers, AD might average like 30 and 20. <laughs> like it's going to, they don't have anybody. He also, he also could trip on his, on his uh, shoelaces falling in and be out for the remainder that, of the season. He's good every other game in a playoff. Kyrie was, so. Kyrie's going to go out and trip him and he falls on his shoulder. He's gonna be like, uh, yeah, I'm done for the game. <laughs> Scott, best bet for this division. It's going to be Houston under. Uh, I think Houston under is going to be my option here because I really don't like what they did this offseason. Munaf basically hit the nail on the head when he described it before. He said that they had a lot of cap space, so they felt like they had to use all of it. And I don't like any of the players they got back that they used the cap space for. So on one hand, cap space is useless if you just keep it and then you don't actually spend it on anybody. If you're going to overpay for a bunch of guys that I don't think is going to help the win total that much, I'm going to lean to your under. They have too many question marks about the overall direction of the team because they had a lot of young talent, and now they threw in a bunch of veterans who they're playing, who they're paying a lot of money, who basically have to play because they're priced into playing, and now you're going to stunt the development of younger players in order to use these. It doesn't really make any sense. I don't think they have any direction. And with that being the case, they have a lot of guys who can give you minutes, but I do think that there's a lot of egos involved in that locker room, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to handle playing for Udoka. He's going to hold people accountable, who wants them to play defense, and I'm not sure how many of these guys have actually played defense in their entire lives. I love Shangun, a really bad defensive player. I think Jalen Green's a good offensive player, never tried to play defense. Kevin Porter Jr., Get some steals. Not a great defensive player either. I have too many question marks with this team. Udoka also might need a year to implement his system and once again to break down the egos of this core. Or maybe they'll trade a guy or two to try to fix that. But I'm on the Rockets under. I think this number is too high. I don't see them winning 30 games. I don't see them winning 28 games. I'll be on the under. I think they win closer to 25. My dog pick, I know we're not doing dogs, but since we talked about the flaws with the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, I'm kind of liking the Pelicans division at plus 255. That kind of caught my eye. I feel like that's kind of appealing. There, there's, there has to be some girl in Texas that broke Scott's heart because he's anti-Texas team. That is from (laughs) Houston. I don't know, but we shall see. Um, my dad roots for the Cowboys. I don't root against the Cowboys. I just acknowledge that, you know, that they are what they are. There's a reason why the memes go around. They don't win any big games because they don't win any big games. As for the Texans, we'll see how Stroud does. Let's put it that way. I like Demeco Ryans. I think he's going to be a good coach. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, my best bet, I am going to go with – I'm going to go with the Pelicans over 43.5. I think if you take a look at all five teams in this division, I think the Pelicans are the most complete team when you talk about the three levels, right? Front court, uh, wing play, and also you know, top-end talent. And again, it is barring injuries, but I think that's the case for at least the top three teams in this division. Um, but I think the Pelicans right now at 43.5, I think we learned a lot about this team over the last two seasons, right? The talent is definitely there. Injury luck wasn't on their side this past season. The whole stuff with Zion, he should be healthy coming into this season. I know he's dealing with all the off-the-court stuff and all that, you know, kind of been swept under the rug because we haven't heard much more about it over the past several weeks. But I think it's now just time for Zion to go out and focus on playing basketball. Um, and and again, like we mentioned, he's only played one season out of his first three years where he played 50-plus games, and that was that one year where he played 61 games. So even if he's able to play any in the, in the possibility of 50 to 55 games for this upcoming season, I think the Pelicans will definitely get over this number. And even if he's not there, I think Lante pointed out that I think there's still enough 60. They're going over. Yeah. And again, even if he doesn't play, let's say he ends up playing 40. I think there's still enough for this other, for this Pelicans team with McCollum being healthy with Brandon Ingram. I think he's just so underrated that, you know, he's, he only played what, 40 some games last season, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It was about half the season. Yeah. So again, you should see these guys play. Jose Alvarado, another guy that's real underrated. That's just a just a pest on the defensive side of the basketball. So um Pelicans at 43 and a half. And Scott mentioned he took the words out of my mouth. I think that plus 255 for the division is also intriguing. Um, if you're looking for a maybe not a long shot, but you know, something middle of the road there for this division. All right, that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast, the Southwest Division. We'll be back later this week. We'll do the uh, Pacific Division, um, you know, again, like we mentioned, going through the win totals, division odds, and all that fun stuff. Lots of anything else we want to mention before we get out of here, my man? Nah, man, good breaking it down with you guys. Uh, although it's not, you know, full NBA season yet, but it's still good to get a head start on some of this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Scott, anything else, my man? I'm going to take my Ravens preseason winnings in the future, and I'm going to put it on the uh, Pelicans to win the division. There we go. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at SGP and NBA. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, make sure to do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Make sure to follow Lante on Twitter at XXLanteXX. Follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. You want to support the show? You want to support the network? Do us a favor. Join the Patreon page. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Um, you'll see all the options there. A lot of guys are already in the Patreon or, or in the Discord channel as well. So do us a favor. If you want to support the network with all of our free content that we do, do us a favor and subscribe to our Patreon page. All right. We'll be back later this week to talk about the Pacific Division. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride. 